Welcome to Ablaze Ministries International Podcast. We are the youth and young adults of Hope Church Brisbane. For more information about our ministries, weekly gatherings and activities, please visit our website at www.ablaze.org.au. And right now, get ready for an inspiring message and start living out your God-given potential today. Tonight, you know, we're going to be um, going to look at uh, this subject, loneliness. And um, I don't know about you, but I have experienced that many times in my life. And um, tonight, I really hope that God will continue to help us learn the Word of God together. So I really encourage you, you know, start taking notes in the service because you might not know that one day you, you, you might need to look at your notes again. And you need to take the time to allow God to speak to you as well. I I, I can say this much, but God can speak so much more. Amen. So I I really hope that tonight, you know, that more than just listening to like another lecture or whatever it is, but I really hope that we will allow the Holy Spirit to change us, you know, and I just want to pray for all of us here that, that you will love the Word of God, that you will not take this lightly. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'd like to entitle my message tonight, Never Alone. So we're going to be looking at the Word of God, and we're going to be um, looking at how can we overcome loneliness in our lives today. You know what? Loneliness is a part of our lives at times. Hey, anyone see you guys have felt lonely before? Very few people can admit to that. <laughs> I think all of us have felt that before. You know, I, I still remember when I left home when I was nine years old, I really felt the sense of being lonely because I was away from home, from my parents, from the familiar, you know what I mean? Like the things that I used to know and people and friends. And, you know, I, I felt that in my heart a lot. And uh, when I actually left high school, um, you know, like, I don't know about you, those who are in uni today or you're working today, you guys remember those days when you guys like, you know, celebrate year 12 formal and then you never really see your friend again and, you know, that you have to go to school every day, but now you don't have to, you know what I'm talking about? Very few people understand that. <laughs> and, you know, those, most of you guys here are still single and you guys sometimes feel lonely. You feel lonely sometimes? Well, I felt lonely even sometime right now, you know, like when Lisa's not home, I feel lonely. And loneliness is a part of our lives. And we have to go through life with the sense of uh, understanding, you know, what loneliness is about. And, and there's a purpose to everything. You guys know what? God allows certain things to happen in our lives for a reason. And everything that God allows to happen in our lives, whether you know it or not, if you love God, they all work together for your own good. And I believe very much... That even this area, you know, no one wants to be lonely, yeah? But loneliness sometimes happens for a reason, and it helps us to actually grow closer to God. So I want to share that. But before um, we're going to go into the Word, I got a multimeter to show you guys. And um, this girl, she will be talking about why loneliness can be deadly, okay? So just have a listen. 60% of people age 18 to 34 regularly feel lonely, so that's depressing. Hey everyone, Lacey Green here for D News. Loneliness feels bad, man. That lack of connection with people, like you don't really belong anywhere. Maybe you don't have enough people you can trust or talk to. Loneliness can make you feel empty or invisible. It can be brought on by big life events and it can set in real good when we no longer feel like we're contributing to something, like we're not a part of a community. The death of a loved one, quitting or changing jobs, moving somewhere new, even growing up and realizing that the world is ice cold. For me, finishing school kind of thrust me into loneliness. Suddenly everyone was moving away and starting their lives and you hit the real world and suddenly you feel much smaller. I think our modern ways of living aren't exactly people friendly. More people are living alone now. People are working longer and longer hours. They're working remotely. They're traveling far and wide for jobs. People are using social media more to connect and folks argue back and forth. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it bringing us together? Tearing us apart? And hey, everyone has a different experience. Personally, I find it's good. 
and bad. It's good to keep up with friends when we're apart. It's bad when we don't hang out because we can just IM each other. There's also a real temptation, I think, for us to believe that we can be independent and we don't really need other people. Head down, work your booty off, no problem. But if you look into our nature and observe our behavior, we do actually need each other a lot. People who are lonely are more likely to be depressed and get sick, they're more stressed, more likely to abuse substances and make bad choices. And loneliness from actually being isolated is even worse. Newborns without enough touch from other people won't survive. And when a couple becomes old together and one of them dies, the risk of the other one dying jumps by 50% in the following six months. A heartbreaking new study out of the National Academy of Sciences found that the elderly are much more likely to die if they don't have enough contact with people. So if their lover is their primary way of socializing, then that's... Not good. Didn't it used to be more common for grandma and grandpa to live with their family? With a deteriorating support system, deteriorating health and social connections beginning to fade, it's no wonder that loneliness is pegged as the silent killer of the elderly. Guys, I think I need a hug. Oh. And you know, I think I need to visit my grandma and maybe we could watch some cat videos. Okay, all right. Well, that's a bit... <laughs> Okay, um, anyone see you guys relate to what she said um, on the clip? Yeah? You guys know that um, they has, there's a study on social media versus on loneliness. They really think that now the increase of technologies and all that really make people become more lonely than before. Because now, instead of having a good conversation with your friends, you just try to get connected, you know? And, and you know, iconic languages, like sometimes you with the word smile and all that, you know, and certain shorter words that you use instead of explaining yourself or expressing yourself fully that can really disconnect you from other people. And um, it's really interesting because um, actually from my research um, this week, this is for your information, and um, there are a few causes of loneliness. Okay, these are the studies um, by different um, psychologists and, you know, professors and things. Number one that we see is that um, the, the, one of the causes of loneliness is a major transition or trauma. Like, for example, you know, when you basically um, had, like, uh, an accident or maybe, uh, you know, people whom you love die or, you know, l- left, and, and maybe certain things that happen in your life, you know, that, that can really cause that, uh, what do you call that, like, uh, unhappiness or sadness and things or sorrow. It can really cause that sense of loneliness in your life. So that's the first things, right? And then also circumstances in their childhood development. Okay. Now, all of us here, we grew up in different, uh, like with different backgrounds. And, and sometimes, you know, we went through life as you were growing up. Actually, Lisa's been studying on early childhood and she's been talking a lot about, you know, how children, like when they are at the age of two to four, that they really um, learn a lot of things and, you know, sometimes they like to touch things, you know, kids, they would just lick on everything and buy on everything, you know, like things like that. And we all here, okay, we all here grew up in different environment. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we might not receive the, the, the certain level of love that we felt that we needed. And that's why we feel like withdrawn, okay? So there's some studies saying about that. And now the third Cause of loneliness, okay, um, is the lack of social and interpersonal skills. Okay, well, we, we have a lot of people who are struggling just to strike conversation with strangers, you know, like, of course, I'm not talking about um, people who are maybe um, quiet or, you know, like, we all are different, okay? We all are different in our personalities. But basically, a lot of people, they've never been taught of how to connect with other people on a social level, like social skills in the personal skills, Okay, like I still remember, I think some of you, you know, when you joined the Blaze for the first time, you were really shy and, you know, just like Ryan when he came in and he was really shy, but now he's just like, wow, run around the church and, you know, and, and, and I mean, you know, I, I, we, we grew up in a different environment. And I still remember when Liz uh, came to a Blaze 12 years ago, was it? 12 years ago, you know, she was really shy and I drove her home a few times and it was really hard to strike conversation with Liz, but today she's leading the whole dance ministry, you know? So I really think that at times we need to be educated. How can we really strike a conversation, you know? And, and, and just one of the things that really um, interests me is that some people, they're overly aggressive. 
you know, when, when, when you have friends who are really overly aggressive, like really in- intimidating, and sometimes that's why people didn't want to talk to them. And they themselves become withdrawn and they become lonely. You know, so just watch out for that sometimes that, you know, you can be really tough and all that. But making sure you try to include other people. I think there's some of the things that we learn as we grow, okay? And uh, another thing is situational factors or circumstances in life. And um, it's situational because, you know, sometimes when you change your location or when you moved away from home or when you, you know, when, um, you know, all of a sudden you are, uh, get divorced or people who don't have the partners anymore and, you know, those things or you lose your friends or, you know, like friends uh, decided to move away or things like that that can cause the sense of loneliness. Now, these things, there's some, there's some other causes there as well, but these are four major causes that I have um, got from my studies. And uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of authors actually say is quite true is that the cause of loneliness, I mean, the loneliness, the loneliness is the catalyst or is actually something that will lead people to, um, you know, the abuse or alcoholism or drugs abuse or family breakdown and other social ills like illness and things like that. And it's really interesting because when we think about we as Christ followers, you know, we feel lonely sometimes, right? You can feel lonely even right now when you're surrounded by a lot of people. You know what I'm talking about? That sometimes you feel alone. You feel like, oh, no one understands me and no one can really speak into my life. We all feel that sometimes, yeah? That's why we like to listen to our own music and make our music video out of that, you know, like... (laughs) Okay, well, we all establish that loneliness is a part of our lives. But regardless of what happened in our lives, I believe very much that the Word of God has a way out for us, that we can overcome the loneliness. You know, momentary loneliness, it's okay. But once it becomes a long-term thing that when you have to worry about, be concerned about, sorry. You have to be concerned about so that you can deal with that. So tonight, I want to share with you just a f- um, three key things that, that the Word of God offers for us, that we can understand loneliness and we can overcome it. Amen? Amen? Excellent. So the first thing that we can do in, in order to overcome loneliness is to acknowledge the reality of our loneliness. Okay. Now, it begins when we begin to confront Okay, to face the cause of loneliness that every human being must come to terms with. And listen to this. The root of loneliness is about the spiritual loneliness of being separated from God. Whatever you're feeling right now, sometimes like a sense of loneliness, it all goes back to this place that once man used to be connected with God, but sin sabotage that relationship, and now we away from the true source of love, of everything. So that's why we feel that sometimes. Listen to me carefully. Loneliness is not a sin. When you feel lonely, don't you think that, oh, I'm sinning right now? No, loneliness is not a sin. It's a byproduct of being human, okay? Are you guys still breathing today? Yeah? You're still alive today? That means you can feel lonely sometimes. But you see, loneliness is one of the emotional experiences after sin entered the world. When our relationship with God was sabotaged, isolation, isolation was the result. And now that's why it's easy for us to feel lonely sometimes. You guys remember Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. And what happened is that they began to run away from God because of guilt in their hearts, right? And God came to them and looked out for them and called them back. And then later on, if you read the scripture, Cain and Abel, their children, when Cain decided to kill Abel because of his jealousy, and then Cain began to declare his independence from God, that now I'm going to be isolated from your presence. 
So when we understand that the root of loneliness in our life today it started when Adam and Eve sins and sin entered the world and caused us to be in a place sometimes that we feel lonely. Now the problem here is that whenever we feel lonely, the tendency of all human being is to look for something to substitute that loneliness. That's why drug, even alcohol. Relationship. These things are not bad at times when you use it right. You know what I mean? Drugs. You know, I mean, I'm not. Drugs is basically substance. If you, if you use for the for medicine, medical purposes, it can be good. Okay, so relationship is fantastic, but God, you know, um, designed for relationship to be something that He wants to honor. But when you actually take that in place of God, it can cause e- even. Uh, more sense of loneliness in our lives. So every time when we feel lonely, let us remember that each one of us has a need to connect with something larger than ourselves, in order to fill the spiritual vacuum that exists within us. I can tell you one thing is that there's no other human being that can fulfill your deepest need and desire. There's no one can do that. It's only God. You can do that. So when you look out for something that you can cling on to, don't just look out for, you know, um, imperfect human being because it's good to have friends. Yeah, we all we all agree in that. But ultimately, don't forget that God is the ultimate fulfillment in our lives. Amen. But hey, guess what? Sometimes God allows us to go through the journey of being lonely for a reason. And I want to share with you from the Word of God here tonight that sometimes loneliness can really help mature all of us here as well. So I don't know where you're at today. If today you feel lonely at times because people don't understand you, you feel that like, why am I in this place? Why am I struggling through this? But maybe God might have a purpose for you. Amen. So the guy by the name David, King David, in the Old Testament, you know, many times. The King David felt lonely. He felt isolated. Whenever David felt isolated, he chose to trust in the nearness of God for his courage. In the book of Psalm fifty-six, two to four, he said, "This my adversaries pursue me all day long. Okay, in their pride, many are attacking me." When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So King David's confidence clearly was in the Lord, was in the fact that God was his source of companionship and courage. What about you today? When you are afraid, who's the first person you call on to? Who the first person that you will resolve to? Is that your friends? Is that the internet? You know, I know that we all have different ways of uh, escape the reality and doing something that will help us to feel better. You know, I don't know about you, but some people they eat a lot when they feel lonely because <laughs> I, I met someone who liked to go to food court to eat just so they can see a lot of people in the food court. You know. And I've known a lot of people that they decided to go to nightclubs, you know, very often, just so that they can be in a place that is too loud, is so loud that they don't have to worry about anything. And for some of people that I have met before, that they actually decide to actually go to study, it's not a bad thing, but they're just trying to escape the reality by just, you know, being the best student. Or I'm not saying that's not good. But that can be just a temporary way of resolving whatever issues is deeper than it seems. God is the ultimate source of our hope and our need. Apart from King David, we look at the Apostle Paul. If you read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote, you know, um, the 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 books in the New Testament more than any other people. And he probably one of the top guys that we see in the, in the world history. And um, he started countless missionary trips, churches, 
spoke multiple languages, well-educated, went everywhere, know everyone. <laughs> he wrote the greatest theological, um, you know, letters. And that's actually the part of the New Testament that we see. But many times, the Apostle Paul also experienced a sense of loneliness in his life. In 2 Timothy, listen to this, 4, 9 to 11 and 16. He said this, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, had deserted me. And in verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. 2 Timothy 1, 15. You know that everyone, say everyone, everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Basically, the Apostle Paul, he himself, you think that he's a great leader, but many times that he was forsaken by people who were serving with him. You know, when you think about being a leader, if today you desire to be a leader, one day you have to understand that sometimes you will have to lead and no one will not support you. That is a possibility. Moses, many times in the book of Exodus, in the book of Numbers, when you read about his story, he was leading three million people out of Egypt to something that God promised. But many times that the people rebel against him, against God, disobey the word of God. And many times he got so angry. And that because of the fact that he was angry and he disobeyed God, he could not enter the promised land. So if today you desire to be a leader, and I pray that you would desire to be a leader, <laughs> you got to learn to deal with a sense of loneliness. And in my life, I have failed that many times, you know, when you are being a leader, because you walk ahead and sometimes you turn the back on people and sometimes you don't know what's going on. What about Jesus Christ? You know, next week we're going to come, we're going to celebrate the Good Friday, and we're going to be really spending time together thinking about not just the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. Actually, I don't like to say Easter. I mean, Easter is something people know, but I like to say it's a resurrection Sunday. Because Jesus died and he rose again, we don't just celebrate the death of Jesus, it's a resurrection of, resurrection, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we see here, Jesus, even Jesus himself, he experienced a sense of loneliness, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. The most critical moment of his life, he was facing a destiny. He was praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. He was facing a destiny and he asked his disciples, would you stay up, keep watch and pray with me? And every time he went back to see the disciples, they were asleep. When you think about that, God, he needed some companions in that moment of his life. And the disciple misses totally. You know, every time he went back, he's like, come on, guys, stay with me. Pray for me. I'm struggling. I, I want to really emphasize this because this is a human side of Jesus that he also needs friends and more than friends, people who understand what he was doing. He was struggling. Have you guys ever felt that before when you were doing something? that you know that this is what God wants me to do or something good. But when you turn around, you couldn't really find support from even your friends and people you think that they will understand. Guess what? One day you will experience that when you desire to serve the Lord. You know, and not only that, at the same garden, he was betrayed by one of his disciples. Judas Judas betrayed Jesus right there by the kiss. Can you imagine that? One of his closest disciples followed him for three and a half years, and then he betrayed Jesus just for 30 coins of silver. That's it. That's what he's worth. And then Jesus also fell the separation from the Father on the cross. When he died on the cross, when the sin of the whole world was laid on him, and he said, Father, Father, why you have forsaken me? He knew exactly what it's like to be separated. 
There's only one time in entire human history that the son was separated from the father. Only one time. And that's when our sin, your sin, my sin, was laid on the Son of God. So Jesus went through that. He went through that. That's why he understands and he can sympathize with us. In Hebrews 4.15, said this, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to understand and sympathize and have the shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assault of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. So God, Jesus himself today, he can share the same experience you're going through today. That's why if you understand this, why would you not want to turn to him? Why would we not want to go to him for the understanding? You know, we get distracted many times with relationship. And any relationship that's not centered on God is tend to lead us to the place where we feel empty eventually. That's why when you get married, you have a celebrant. And a celebrant will be the represent, you know, representative of, of God in the way that this marriage is bound by not only two people, but three and that God himself. And if today you desire to have a great relationship, I'm not talking about just marriage, but any relationship, God has to be the first factor in that relationship. And that's why God himself, he has come to show his fullness to us through Jesus Christ. So that leads me to the second point, is that through Jesus' death on the cross, he became God's provision for all of us. So apart from acknowledging the reality of loneliness, we need to accept God's provision for our loneliness. Colossians 1, 21 to 22, listen to this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So through Jesus Christ, we all brought back to God and reconciled. I want to share something quickly here. The Bible uses the word reconciliation. You guys know what the word reconciliation means? It's not just you come back and you have, you know, a good relationship. But the word reconciliation is this, that you are being brought back to God in the place just as the way it used to be and even better than the way it used to be. It's not just about you coming to someone that you used to dislike and say, oh, okay, I love you now, hug, hug, kiss, and then go. But you come together and you are being bound together with the covenant once again. That's why when the word of God said that all of us here are being purchased by the blood of Jesus and we are now being reconciled to God. Well, you know what it means? It means that all of us here today, not only that your sins are forgiven, but God is no longer angry at you. God might not like the things you do sometimes, but he loves a sinner. He hates sin, but he loves sinners. That's why nothing will be able to make God feel happier about you anymore because he's already happy about you. Think about that. If God loves you that much, he wants to be with you. That's why when the sense of loneliness creeps into our heart, always remember that through Jesus, you can have the perfect peace that you couldn't have experienced before. You know, I really believe very much that many of us here, we don't understand that yet. But I really hope that every time when you feel lonely in your life, don't just turn on a TV and bombard yourself with the media of the world, but you learn to close your eyes and switch on your spiritual sight and say, Lord, I connect with you right now. You know, and you will sense the presence of God many times, guys. I felt literally the presence of God fell on me when I start to pray in humility and said, Lord, all I need is just your assurance that you are here. 
Anyone of you guys feel, felt that before or you experienced God's love in that way before? You, you know that you, you can't deny that. That is God's provision. Psalm 20, 27:10. The word of God said this, that though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Oh, my goodness. How many broken families we see in the world today? How many divorces we see in the world today? This is the word for all mankind. Even your natural mother and father forsake you, God will never, he will receive you. That's a great promise. Don't you love God? Don't you love God? You know, we may feel lonely at times, but remember that we are never alone. God will receive you. If your heart's broken today, God will mend it and he'll receive you today. Isaiah 43.2 said this. I love this passage. When you pass through the waters. Can we read this together, guy? One, two, three. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the river, you will, they will sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hallelujah. I didn't choose that because of the words ablaze there. When you think about it, you go through fire, God will protect you. When you go through waters, He will be there swimming with you. <laughs> God wants to be with us. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, guys. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. For we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Okay, this is a very interesting verse because Lisa mentioned this during a week to me. The Bible said, keep your, keep your life free from the love of money. Money is good, it's neutral, but the love for money is evil. That's why greed is one of the things that the enemy tried to put into our hearts. You guys know what today we live in the society where we worship materialism, right? Get more and more. How many credit cards we, meet, we, we must have? We've got to have this. We've got to have that. We've got to plan for holidays and holidays, you know? You've got to watch out for that enemy of greed, and the Bible said this, don't be consumed by the, love of, by the love of money. Keep your life free from it. Be content with what you have. Because God said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. So today, if you're broke, because you did not have enough, and if you have legitimate needs, God will fill your pockets. I don't know how. But God will do it. You know, this is why we have to understand that God will be there for us. He will supply the financial aspect for all of us as well. John 14, 16 to 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, this is the time that Jesus was about to leave them. The disciples said, Jesus, you say that you're going to go away. You're going to leave us. Please tell us. How are we going to feel better about this? You're going to leave us? And Jesus said, shh, don't worry. I will send you the helper, the counselor, the spirit of truth will come to you. And that is the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen to this. In the, in the Old Testament, the Bible promised, God promised the coming of the Messiah. He will be your Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God's with us. It means that God will come into the world and walk among us. But in the New Testament, Jesus said this, I already came, I already walked among you, but I will send the Holy Spirit to live in you. Not only God walked on earth, but now God lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you are a believer in Christ today, you know, many times I feel lonely and I feel tr troubled by different things. I sense in my heart that the Holy Spirit's kind of, come on, rising up, rising up. And for some reason, I get the confidence that comes from the Lord. 
You know, I'd like to see if over the next few months in the blaze, guys, we're going to be spending more time in worship, in prayer. You know, I've been discussing it with the leaders that um, we're going to have something called encounter, encounter service. So a few services in this year we're going to do, we're going to spend more time in worship and prayer. And we're actually thinking about that we're going to have a service from 7 to 11, 7-11. So we're going to actually spend a few hours in prayer. And guess what? This week, a blessing Singapore, they started the same thing. They actually start prayer night, start from 7 to about 9.30, and then they're going to have a break, quick break, and they start the prayer meeting overnight from midnight to about 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, whoa, how can it be? Same time that we were thinking about doing that. So because I really want us to experience the presence and the power of God. Do you know what? We can do all this. Like we can, I, can, I can teach you all day long, but the presence of God will be the, the thing that will change your life forever. You know, I'm talking about just one touch, God. Woo! That our lives will be changed forever. You know, we need to experience the presence of God. Do you guys think that's a great idea? It's going to stretch your spiritual muscles a bit. If you never pray for that long, hey, we're going to come, we're going to pray, we're going to really receive what God has for us. So the last thing I want to share with you tonight, you guys do hear? The first thing you acknowledge, okay, you acknowledge the reality of loneliness and you accept God's provisions for your loneliness. And the last one, activate your network of Christian friends. Okay, this is quite interesting. We've been talking about life groups. I want to show you a clip quickly. Okay, let's have a look at this. We live at a mile a minute pace. We want our food fast and our information even faster. And while this pressure-filled life of instant news and social media connects us to more people than ever before, it can also alienate us from the community we need the most. Because no matter how many online friends we have, or how many likes we get for our photos, it's not going to help us when sinful habits rear their ugly heads, or sorrow seems to overwhelm us, or we simply want to grow in our faith. No, instead it's the quality of the relationships with the people who actually know us that will get us through. You see, we all sin, and we all struggle. It's part of being human. But what sets Christians apart is God's work in changing those desires for sin to a desire for Him. And that is why life groups are so important. This idea of community isn't something churches invented to get people involved. Instead, it's right out of the Bible. In Hebrews 10, we are told to look for ways to spur one another to love and good deeds, to meet together, and to encourage one another. And life groups are designed to do just that. We have to look no further than the life of Jesus to see this principle lived out. Jesus carefully chose 12 followers, and then he poured into them, taught them, and just lived life with them. But Jesus didn't stop with his disciples. He promises us that wherever two or more are gathered in his name, he will be right there with them. And this is why life groups work so well. We're no longer lost in a sea of unfamiliar faces. Instead, we are with people we can grow to trust, who will encourage us, comfort us, pray with us. And the best part is, Jesus promises that he will be right there with us. So don't think of life groups as one more item on the calendar. Instead, think of them as a retreat from our hectic lifestyles, where the biblical idea of fellowship can change us. All we need is a desire to grow closer to God and a trust that as we seek Him with fellow believers, He will pour out His presence according to His promises. And then, life groups will be life-changing. Okay, I really like when he said life group can be life-changing. And I think that should be the way, you know, we, we see in our life groups. I know that many times when it comes to life groups, um, some of us here, we feel that, okay, I've been there, I've been, done, I've been doing that and all that. But I still really think very much that God has designed, you know, a small group of people, connected friends that we can really come together and have that great and meaningful time together. You know, I really want to see all of us here take the moment, you know, every week that we commit to our life groups. And we're working really hard to make life group, you know, be the place that you feel that you can belong, that you can really connect with someone else. Um, and a few things that we're hoping to do this year is that we, 
it, we we're going to try to do a few different things about live group by having smaller size of groups that you can really be a part of. And another project that we've been thinking about also, at, we might actually have like an interest group where, you know, if you like to cook, you like to do baking, sport, or, you know, surfing, or whatever. You know, like we're thinking about something like that, or music, or, you know, we really hope that, that we can try to get people connect together, you know, um, similar age and interest and things like that. Do you guys think it'll be good that we can do something like that? So I really hope that we can really see the live group become life-changing. Now, guys, activating our network of Christian friends. Now, listen to me carefully. In the Word of God, in the New Testament, many times, the Apostle Paul wrote letters to churches and he addressed them as saints. Say with me, saints. It is always plural. It's not just to a saint, but saints. Why is that? Because God sees us as his church. We shouldn't be doing life solo. I just like to think that to God, we are like a choir. There's no sing- solo singer. All of us are in the same crew. You know, we are in a choir or a dance crew or whatever. So Whenever we feel lonely, maybe that we miss out on having good Christian fellowship. Now, in Hebrews 10, 24, 25, said this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you know, some of us here, we have a very good connection with people outside church who are not Christian yet, and that is good. Don't give up your friendship outside church because God wants to put you in the world, not of the world, but in the world to be his representative. And I don't want to see us that we just have Christian friends because sometimes we can be just, you know, uh, knowing the things in the church only, but God wants to send us into the world so that we can be the salt and light. That's why also this year we're hoping to do more of the community services or projects and things so that we can get out to the communities and make friends. You know, I really hope that we can continue to do that, but, but, there's a big but here. It is also very important and is biblical for us to have a great connection with Christian friends. It's really sad when we don't have good Christian friends. If you're Christ followers, I can tell you that. Why? Because, you know, regardless of how great, how wonderful non-Christians are, they have different values. Because they don't know God yet. And nothing of, you know, against them is good. Like, I have a lot of non-Christian friends as well. We love them. But we know that many times you can't really talk about spiritual things with them. You got to have good Christian friends who can spur you on, kick you in the bum of time and say, grow up. Come on. Love God more. Don't do that. Not so much about that. You know, we need to have people in our lives that can help us become a better person. Amen? So we have to find the opportunity to really get to know someone. Now, can, can I just say something quickly? I know that this is something we've been talking about for so long. My heart is to see that we can really deepen the relationship in our church. And I don't know how to make it happen. I need you to help. I, I don't want us to just be just Friday night friends or Sunday friends. And can I be honest? I find that I can't make a change unless we all here do it together. That can, we can really take the step. Do you know one of the things I know that lonely people, there are people that they don't want to give. But what can help them to overcome loneliness is when they start to go out and help other people who are in need tell you this, the antidote for loneliness is just to get out and serve other people. That's why I like to see more of that in our church, in a place, guys. 
You know, I love Blaze. I love you guys very much. And I like to see that we can really deepen the relationship with one another. And I want to see that across the board, I want to see Ignite Voltage, Powerhouse Lighthouse, that we can really be the community that God wants us to be. Amen? Can I speak it from the heart of the pastor? I want to see that happen in our church. I want us to love one another. I want us to learn to forgive, to learn to overlook certain things that maybe we don't like about the person, but learn to look at that situation with the person perspective. I'm not there yet, but you know what? I really like to see that happen because when we love one another with true love like that, that when people will know that God is real. You know, every time when I come to church, when I don't see some of you, the first thing I feel like, is a person okay? Can I tell you this? Not because I'm a pastor, but I do feel that we are connected as a family. And I hope that it's not just me who, who wants to do that. You know, can I challenge you guys something practical to do? Can you please maybe call at least two people during the week? Can you do that? Text them, WhatsApp them, Facebook them, Viber them, line them. I don't know what else out there. You can really get connected with them. Can you guys do that? Can you guys do that? You can call me to you know. My number is 0402010104. You can call me. You know, don't you think that a pastor needs some love? <laughs> you know, we all need to be connected. And more than just connection, we need to learn to understand each other. Can I, can, I, can I just pray for that? Can we just pray together for that, that we will be connected? You know, and it's my commitment that I will not, and I will make time, really, and I will try to make time to do that. So in 1 John 1, 3, 4, said this, guys, listen to me carefully. The Word of God said this, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. Okay. John wrote this letter to the church. And John saying this, you guys, some of you, you are not in a relationship and fellowship at God's intent. Now, John saying this, I proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have the fellowship with us. It's the same as a fellowship. um, And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing this thing so that you may fully share our joy. John is saying to the church that I want you to understand that we have this fellowship with one another and with God. And I want you to be a part of us. The only one thing that will exclude you from the church is yourself and your own attitude. Is your pride and your ignorance. So if we learn to come with the attitude that, hey, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I might not be doing the thing that I like to do, but I want to be a part of that. Guess what? You will never feel lonely because you always feel that you're included. And can I say this? If you talk to one person, like all the times, maybe it's time to go and talk to somebody else that you never met or you never talked to. That will help us become the church that God desires us to be. Have you ever been to the church where you walk in there and no one even knows you? And when you leave, no one even knows you. And you've just been going back. You know, I don't want to see that. And not because we're better. No, we're not. But I want us to learn to be God in someone's lives. Not actual God, but to be his representative. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight, I want to really encourage us to overcome loneliness. It's just to understand that you are never alone. You know, later on, we're going to pray for you. But um, I actually found this last multimedia. Can I show you this? I find that this is really good. If today you're a bit, um, you know, going through a bit of uh, difficult things in life, remember this, that from the book of Genesis, to Revelation, and until we go to see God in heaven, we're never alone. Because God has not left us alone. Amen. Let's have a look. In the beginning... 
in our beginning, we were only dust, knowing nothing of the good and evil, only the pure innocence of God. And in that garden, alongside Creator, the birth giver, witness to life, begetting life, we were shameless. Known in our nakedness and freely creating work was being human. Standing at the edge of the garden, things were not the same. We were fragile and we needed protection, so we hid behind uh, trees, behind each other, and our lives. And work was no longer about creating, but surviving. And individuated from God, we sought shelter from and the pain of the memory of what we'd lost. But at the edge we stood, never alone, but a pale reflection of our former selves. Would we remember how to be man and woman again? Would we know how to walk together with, with clear vision of each other? Not as self-made image, but, but as souls sheltered in the divine searching for the one who created and loved. From the garden, I, I entered the wilderness of my striving, where I encountered demons, my demons, and the shifting sands and the, the dirt between my toes as a reminder of my mortality to seek, to fill the hunger remember who I was, but really always forgetting, getting caught up in, in work or in another, or distractions. There were days where my dreams became fantasy, painting myself into a corner to surround myself with all those I loved, including a life that I left behind stretching myself across a canvas of memories, to walk across a painted desert, to stand up on the highest cliff and to look down and hold kingdoms in my palm. There's temptation before me. And what they were for me, they were for the Son of Man. A deep growl and a hungry soul. Jesus came to face himself and his frailty. But he feasted on food made of words baked in the mouth of God. Words of, of life and hope that promised another way back to lush lands where we could be together with the one who never left us alone.